Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, I'll have Eric Crawett, who is the Senior Vice President at Morgan Stanley. He's an investment advisor. And we'll be talking about a question that's out there in the public, which is whether COVID-19 is or isn't a black swan, and what are some of the business implications of that. So don't go away. On this week's Tech News, I'm going to talk more about how COVID-19 is affecting uh, folks that are in the tech industry and outside. Um, we can certainly talk about all kinds of tech news, like the finalization of the T-Mobile Sprint merger. But I think it's really relevant to talk about what's on people's minds. So first up is LinkedIn announced that it's going to make its job listing tools free to those recruiting firms or people that are actually have jobs because in the wake of the job losses that are mounting, um, they just want to give back. Also related to COVID-19, I'm going to be talking more during the cyber tip about best practices on video conferencing applications like Zoom. Um, I've been reading a lot about how people just are adopting technologies because it's a necessity, but they're kind of jumping in. They've never used these tools before. There's some uh, best practices and some security risks that just everyone should need to know about. Apple Card announced that uh, people can skip their April payments without accruing interest. That doesn't mean you get to skip the payment completely. It just means that you get a month of grace. Also, there's students that have been kicked out of the universities because of COVID-19, and they're literally seeking community. So what they're doing is, just like um, Second Life was a virtual world, they're actually booting up Minecraft servers and recreating their entire dorm and university setting and having people meet up there so they can kind of replicate that social interaction that they're missing from the college experience. Slack, a tool that is used for collaboration, announced that they sped up their integrations with video conferencing tools like Zoom and Microsoft Teams just because there's such a need right now. And I'm going to end this week's tech news more on a philosophical question. I don't necessarily have the answer but it had been reported that in order to combat the coronavirus, China had been monitoring their people through cell phone technology and, in fact, enforcing that they stay at home. Israel also had some form of this where they were using a combination of cell phones and drones to make sure that those that were confirmed to be infected did stay sheltered in place or self-isolated. Um, it came out recently that for spring break in Florida, which was, I think, a bad idea to have that many people congregate, that a company using publicly accessible cell phone data was able to track 5,000 spring breakers over a period of two weeks. And through that information, they mapped about 890,000 interactions with other cell phone devices, and these are all unique cell phone devices over a two-week period. They didn't actually make it out to California, but they did make it all over the eastern seaboard and even up into Wisconsin. Uh, they're tracking to see if those become further hotspots for the outbreak, and that's the question of whether or not even a country like the U.S. will need to use something like cell phones to 
track their citizens to ensure that they're complying with stay-at-home orders. So that's just a question for you. And that's the Tech News of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I have Eric Crawett, who's the Senior Vice President of Morgan Stanley and an Investment Advisor. Welcome back, Eric. Thank you. Uh, I know we're here to talk today about the business implications of COVID-19, especially in investments, being here in Silicon Valley, and being a hub of uh, technology and capital. But before we get into that, I wanted to speak briefly about your background at Morgan Stanley. Uh, my background at Morgan Stanley is I've been a financial advisor for over 25 years. I started around 1993, and I advise small businesses and individuals um, on their finances and investing, basically um, family CFO, something like that. That's great, and that's certainly really relevant right now, given the circumstances. Uh, we're living in unprecedented times for sure. Uh, what, in your opinion, is the state of the market right now? The state of the market is extreme um, uncertainty, and that started several weeks ago with many clients that, um, especially from elderly clients, uh, that were very uncertain, not so much about the market, uh, but about their health, leaving their house. They sort of froze up, panicked, didn't want to do anything, and the markets held up for a while, and then it spilled on over into the markets. And then when the virus started spreading and coming here, uh, it spilled over into the markets, and the market started selling off, and then it went from a, a, a panic. The market basically went into panic mode last week, if you will. And so that's interesting because uh, as we look back, COVID-19, uh, when it first was reported as the coronavirus coming out of Wuhan, China, and now um, all over the world, uh, why did it take so long for people to get concerned? Why did it take the market to tank for people really to take it seriously from a, a, an investment or market point of view? From an investment or market point of view, I think the um, market players uh, felt that it was going to be somewhat contained in China and did not feel that it was going to come over here uh, the way and affect things over here the way it did. It wasn't until um, the fact of the matter, you know, from a medical reason that it did the virus did get here was when the market started to sell off. And how do you think, now that it is here, how long, how, specifically, because last week we talked a lot about we think that the pandemic could last 12 to 18 months. It could, there's an article in MIT Tech Review, which is right at the same time we had our podcast and radio show. Um, it was called, uh, you know, not going back to normal. There's a prediction that this could be, kind of a two-month at work, at school, and a one-month-off type of situation. Um, what is your feeling about that in relation to the market? Okay, well, the market got panicked, and then the government and the Federal Reserve came in and stabilized the market by injecting liquidity and using um, other tools they had. So within this last week, the market seems to have stabilized. However, um, with everything going on, it's sort of been a band-aid for maybe it'll last for maybe three or four months so the way the market is going to get out of this is if there's some kind of medical solution um, if it's if it stops if they get a vaccination or if it just calms down because of the warm weather or you know any other reason so until we see some certainty with this uh, pandemic 
the market's going to be very uneasy, okay? The Fed stepped in, Congress has stepped in, everybody's doing everything right now to give us a Band-Aid, and the Band-Aid should last at least three or four months. Uh, after that, it will have to be reassessed, and then we'll, we'll go from there. The market's not going to have any much confidence, in my opinion, until there's some certainty on this pandemic being um, taken care of. It's not a situation like the financial crisis where all kinds of companies went out of business that was self-imposed. Um, m- m- much of corporate America is very strong, profitable, and when this crisis is over with, people are going to go back to restaurants, they're going to be going back to school, they're going to be going back and getting on airplanes, and it should be able to recover. But the pandemic, the COVID-19 has to be dealt with. Yeah, so... Eric, thanks a lot for kicking off the show. This is all great insight, and I look forward to talking more about it for um, the next segment. So you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo, special guest Eric Crowett, Senior Vice President at Morgan Stanley. He um, he helps small businesses. He helps individual investors. And we're going to be talking more about the business impact of COVID-19. Any questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz. Find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter, and we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Once again, I'm joined with Eric Crowett, Senior Vice President of Morgan Stanley, an investment advisor who helps small businesses and individuals. And we're talking about the business impact of COVID-19. Eric, thanks for being back on the show. Thank you for having me. Here's a question for you. What are the biggest industries that will suffer due to this event? Absolutely anything in the hospitality industry. Airlines, hotels, cruise lines, restaurants, people that are working as waiters, Uber drivers, um, anything in the gig economy, anything related to service, you know, anything from custodians won't be going to work. If schools are shut down, people aren't going to be able to drive school buses. It's going to be a a, a wide range of of the service uh, sector in general. So a follow-up question would be, those industries are going to suffer. Will it be irrecoverable, or will they be able to bounce back, or will it be some kind of hybrid? It's probably going to be some kind of hybrid. Some of them, obviously, if you have a restaurant, um, that's indebted or a hotel company that's indebted uh, that they won't, they may have to close down and won't be able to recover. Um, obviously, the um, industries, whether it be a company like Boeing or the rest or Hilton or something like that, where the government's kind of backing them up right now and they have healthy balance sheets, they'll be able to close down and at some point reopen again um, and back to business without much hurt, if you will. I see. And uh, I know we just announced, or the government just announced their financial stimulus, which I want to talk about later in the show, which might address some of how these industries get affected. But I'm going to switch gears a bit um, for now. And I want to ask you, what is the sentiment among your clients? The sentiment among the clients is still uh, fear. Um, The sentiment wasn't really... um, Again, the sentiment wasn't really fear about their stock portfolios and things like that. 
until it started to go down. It was more about what was going on the medical issue. Then when their stock portfolio started to go down, uh, the sentiment started to change to which is worse here. Is the, is the um, economy worse or is the virus to work? And then there's been a lot of discussion lately amongst many of my clients um, about whether this country needs to go back to work or not and which is going to be the real enemy here, the virus getting people or the fact that if everybody's um, losing their job and unemployment starts to rise and then it hurts the economy in general, that's become the real fear lately, some, some of it even more than the virus. Um, on the, for the younger, the millennials, uh, clients of mine that are millennials younger, um, they don't seem, that this whole virus doesn't seem to really bother them at all, uh, whereas as the client base gets older, um, they are you know, much more concerned about the virus as they're the population that it's going to affect. Yeah, it's really interesting you said that. I just read that uh, the estimate in the United States is that there could be a 2.5% fatality rate, um, just comparing it to the rest of the world. And the economic question, which is sad, was uh, if that's a true sentiment and that the at-risk population are the more senior in society or those with um, autoimmune deficiencies or some other type of systemic health issue, that is it worth saving them or saving the economy? Now, again, this is not about politics on our show, but it's just out there as, as in public sentiment, and I think that's a balance between um, those in the younger population and those in the older population. But what I, what, I, what I will say, though, is we've heard reports this week that it doesn't just affect um, the older population. Uh, there was a death of a 34-year-old businessman out uh, on a conference at Walt Disney World in Orlando at Complications, um, a really famous chef, uh, Franco Cardoz, he, he, um, he's in his 50s, but he wasn't expected to be in that, that group either. And then uh, more recently in Southern California, there was a, uh, a fatality of someone under 18. So, yeah, I don't think it's healthy to think of it in those terms, but I do think, back to your point, people are now because they're worried about their livelihoods, they are now trying to figure out what that, what that balance is and what that means. So I don't know how that looks to you in terms of uh, financial impact. Okay, so the, for the financial impact on, on many of the younger clients, it hasn't um, been such a big deal because most of, um, in the younger generation, the millennials, most of their finances seem to be in their stock options or their 401k plans. Um, that are obviously going to re- recover someday, and they've got plenty of time to recover. Um, the financial impact on on the equity portion, stock portfolios of many older clients are very concerned because it's been a long time when they've actually seen a 30% drop in their portfolios in this rapid of a time. Um, so the concern is there, but for many of them, they'll be able to withhold it and get you know and get through this and have plenty of funds and, and liquid assets uh, on the side to use while they wait for their finances to come back up. But they uh, are absolutely, it is an a- absolute concern whenever um, a portfolio drops 30% or 40% in a, in a very short period of time. Yeah, it, it's encouraging that it's your opinion that things are going to come back somewhat. Um, are any of your clients selling? Um, there's always a few uh, very few that go into panic mode and preservation mode, and they just, um, for whatever reason, 
don't want to be involved in the markets at all uh, when going through times like this. But for the vast majority, no, they're not selling. Got it. Okay. And then also in your opinion, uh, do you feel this is more of a financial crisis or a public health crisis? This is a public health crisis, but it's caused a financial crisis. We saw that with the liquidity markets. We saw that with the Federal Reserve having to drop interest rates to basically zero and, and back up um, many of the financial assets to provide liquidity for you know, everything from treasuries to corporate bonds, etc. So what started out as a public health crisis became a financial crisis, and it will remain a financial crisis until the public health end of it is, is gotten un, uh, under control, and then the financial crisis should work its way out. In your opinion, what do you think happens then if it's a prolonged health crisis? We talked earlier about how this could be a rolling pandemic in order to not overload um, hospital capacity. Uh, how does that further impact, I guess my question is, how does that further impact the financial market? Do, as individuals who fear about job losses, do companies uh, bring them back on an hourly basis, or they bring them back in some type of independent contractor status? Because I don't. I, this is my own opinion. I don't think that uh, companies are going to be set up to keep everybody employed if it's a if it's a rolling situation. Right. Well, I think we can all agree that the situation is probably going to be end somewhere within eighteen months because by that time, hopefully, they'll be able to treat it or they'll have some kind of vaccine. In the meantime. As long as there's uncertainty, the markets are going to re- remain very uncertain. And the longer this goes on, um, it will affect the markets in general, and the, the markets will stay incredibly volatile and probably won't recover fully um, until this is all resolved. And there's obviously a lot more downside potential. Um, so we may have this rolling, you know, Kids might go back to school, then they might go home. You know, again, I'm more with the markets. I don't know how that's going to happen, but the, the more uncertainty out there, it, it, the markets, if it's one thing they don't like, it's uncertainty, um, and they will remain volatile until this is resolved. All right. Well, th- thanks, Eric. I'm going to pause you right there because this is a lot of great information. You're listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo, special guest Eric Crawlett, Senior Vice President at Morgan Stanley. We're talking about the... Uh, financial impacts of COVID-19. We talked a lot about the risk. In the next segment, we're going to be talking about how this affects small business owners and what some of the opportunities are. So don't go away. You can find us at info.svn.biz, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. So don't go away. Thanks. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. Special guest today has been Eric Crowett, who is a senior vice president of Morgan Stanley. We've been talking about the business and financial implications of COVID-19, and we'll continue on that in just a moment. So this week's cyber tip is more of a practical tip. Due to the massive increase in people working at home, working remotely, I thought it would be important to actually give some best practices on how to use video conferencing technologies like Zoom or WebEx or Microsoft Teams, et cetera. Uh, This pretty much applies to all of them. So one thing is to make sure that if you're an educator or a parent doing remote teaching, 
that whatever platform you're using, that you really are putting down a meeting password for those that require meeting IDs. When you leave it open, all kinds of bad things can happen, especially in large group settings where you don't know all the people joining your video conference. So I can get more specific per each platform, either online through our website, SVN.biz, or in future shows, but this is more general. So first thing is, as I mentioned, have a meeting ID and have a meeting password. If you do that, it really does limit the amount of people that can get into your session. And what I mean by bad things, there's been cases of what's called Zoom bombing for Zoom, where uh, uninvited guests get the code to get into the meeting uninterrupted, and they're able to post things that are inappropriate, uh, make comments that are also inappropriate, and just really disrupt the classroom. So that's the first recommendation. The second recommendation is to make sure that you understand what these platforms do in terms of your data. I know that a lot of people are just jumping in, so they just always assume that everything is fine. You do have the ability to limit how these platforms use your data, but you've got to do it in the individual settings. It came out also that, similar to a couple of years back, the Facebook expose. This isn't saying that Zoom is a bad tool, but Zoom had been doing integrations with Facebook and did not know that through an iOS, so an Apple device, that the toolkit's wide open and that the data is automatically be collected and that can contain some personal information. Zoom apologized for that. So I'm not picking on Zoom. I'm just saying that it's up to you to make sure that you're safeguarding your video conferencing platform. I'll have even more best practices and tips for you in future shows. And that's the Cyber Tip of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with Eric Crowett, who's the Senior Vice President at Morgan Stanley. Um, he helps out personal investors and small businesses. Eric, I wanted to go more into just your own experience. Um, how do you think COVID-19 is affecting small businesses, and what do you think some of the things that they should be thinking about? Okay, well, it's affecting small businesses where I have several clients that are small businesses, and I um, don't deal with the day-to-day business that they're doing, but I'm more dealing with their retirement plans. I've run some 401k plans and things like that. And where it's affecting clients is they're getting scared uh, because they may be laid off um, and they're seeing the markets go down. So they're calling me about their 401ks where they may want to change it or something like that, or if they should shuffle around their uh, retirement plans. So I sort of see that side of it. And then when I... Um, speak with the proprietors of the companies, um, some of them um, are concerned about liquidity. They, they still have to pay rent. Um, they have to, you know, make sure they have cash on hand for several months. Uh, some of them are drawing down their credit lines. They're sort of going into survival mode of which uh, most will survive. So it sort of depends on, on, on what it's all contingent upon. It's a really good point. Uh, here's a question, if, if it's appropriate. I'm seeing through my different channels and forums, especially, let's say, restaurateurs, that they're considering um, drawing on their 401k to keep up their business going. I think I even saw in the stimulus package that um, there was a comment that you might be able to take out up to $100,000 uh, out of your 401k. Normally, you've got to pay a penalty on that, I believe. Do you know any of the mechanics on that? Yeah, generally you can take a, a you can take a loan out of your 401k up to fifty thousand dollars. This is before the legislation, um, 
specifically for your 401k, you can take a loan and you can, you can set the time you pay yourself back and you can actually pay yourself back uh, with interest. Um, so some people are doing that and some people are doing that with their 401ks just for day-to-day living. Um, if, you take a, if you don't pay it back within 60 days, uh, you're subject to a penalty and a distribution. So you'd have to pay uh, taxes um, and a 10% penalty. Um, with other um, with other businesses such as restaurants and things like that, that some clients that I deal with, uh, some of them are um, the ones that own their restaurants or own their businesses or whatever, and they they don't have the monthly payments. It's not so bad, but the ones that rent, such as a restaurateur or something like that, um, if they don't have the cash on hand, oftentimes they're going to their landlords and seeing if they can work out something, um, and you know, going into that mode. Some will be able to. Some will have the cash to, to pay the rent, even though they're not bringing it in. Some will have to close down. Some will work it out. I got it. Um, so we, we've talked about what I've heard. What are some of your own strategies and advice for people to help them manage their business? Um, the strategies that I have is, is it really hasn't changed even before this crisis. Generally, you want to have you know, if in your own personal life and in your business, you want to have cash on hand for at least six to 12 months just in case something, you know, happens like this uh, where there's a big downturn or a line of credit that you can draw on to get you through something like this. Um, many clients, you know, have that, and there's always, you know, some that don't, and then they have to look for other avenues, if you will. I got it. Um when do you see this ending? I know, I know we talked overall in the last segment, we talked about how this pandemic could last uh, possibly up to 18 months. But I'm asking more the question of, at some point, the market um, assumes all this already, so they don't have to necessarily wait the 18 months. They get into kind of a, a flow, and people all understand what that flow is, and they accept it, and they kind of just move on. For you, when do you think that's going to um, Right, right now, the markets, this week actually, the market's um, already um, assuming that there's going to be some kind of ending or some kind of certainty in three to four months. So we've had a, a, a big rally in the market here in this last week. Uh, with that said, um, the market's also assuming that there's going to be a recession, or we might even be in a recession right now. Um, so... If we don't come out of this, if there's not some kind of certainty or of this in three or four months, it's possible that the markets could go back down again, and we could be in, in uncertainty and in a recession, you know, for quite some time. If this drags on for six months, nine months, twelve months, however long it's going to go. So, what are some of your recommendations for investors that might not have any exposure right now? Okay, well, there's. Um, there's a lot of people out there in the investing community that actually have not been in the markets uh, for quite some time. Some actually have been out of the market since 2008. Um, people get out of the markets for different reasons, but um, there's a, a lot of, I've had some clients, and I just know there's a lot of people out there that, that have not participated in this massive runoff. Um, so this might be a chance for them to participate and start putting a little bit of money into the markets. Um, there's also an investor population out there that um, has missed um, a big run-up in a lot of, you know, Silicon Valley companies, you know, whether they be Apple, whether they be Microsoft, whether they be 
uh, Google, um, another one, it's based in Seattle, of course, Amazon. But what we're saying is there's a chance now for investors to get involved with some of these companies that they wanted to buy three years ago or four years ago or five years ago and just never did because they thought they were too expensive and have always been waiting for them to go down. So we have an opportunity here to get involved with some of these companies where it just, you know, six weeks ago or a month ago, we still thought they were too expensive to buy. I've also had a client base where interest rates have dropped dramatically for several years, and to be able to get a yield on your investments, such as corporate bonds or municipal bonds, it's consistently gone down over the years. Over the past few weeks, because of the uh, liquidity crisis, uh, many of the prices of these bonds have dropped dramatically, so the yields have gone up, especially in the um, corporate bond market and the municipal bond market. So it's given an investor a chance to whereas a month ago, on a long-term California municipal bond, maybe they could only get about 3%. Now they can get 4%, and they're a lot more comfortable investing at these rates with the market pullback, if you will. That's great insight. Thank you again for sharing, and I appreciate that you spent time with us on today's show. So you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Special guest is Eric Crawitt, Senior Vice President at Morgan Stanley. We've been talking about the financial business implications of COVID-19. Don't go away because when we come back from the break, we're going to be more optimistic and talking about more of the opportunities and how things look post-pandemic. Any questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz. You can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. We'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Special guest, Eric Crawitt, Senior Vice President at Morgan Stanley. Um, all throughout today's show, we've been talking about the business and financial impact of COVID-19, which is really relevant to those of us here in Silicon Valley and beyond, especially being a technology and capital hub. Uh, Eric, thanks again for being here. Thank you. So we talked a lot of today about what COVID-19 is, how that's been impacting the markets currently, how long the pandemic is expected to last, possibly up to 18 months, and some of the implications about that. Um, Let's talk about some positives that are going to come out of this. After every crisis, um, every downturn, and in this case, one that was fueled by uh, a public health crisis, what's the optimism? What are the things we have to look forward to? Well, I think the one thing that we have to look forward to, the optimism, it seems to be bringing the country together to fight this. Another um, optimistic is is we've seen how people can work remotely um, as we've never seen before. So it's another part of the economy where not everybody always has to go um, into the office every day to get their jobs done. Um, I've seen everybody on, I've been watching, I often watch CNBC, and many of them are, you know, remote again. And it's one way where this whole population of workers um, that maybe would not have remoted into work or telecommuted uh, uh, in the past, now that they're forced to, are able to do it. And I think that's a, a, a positive for the economy that we are able to, the economy can keep going and we can keep working remotely. Great. And I agree with it. Um, I think it's a good time. I, I know there's a lot of panic right now. I know there's a lot of fear. I think when people stop, you know, stop, drop, and roll and think about it, um, there's a, there's a, 
big analogy in the tech world about how there's been different epochs of time. So if you think about the original, how people got ice, they carved it out of a lake, and then people figured out how to store ice in an ice house, and then uh, people figured out how to make ice out of a freezer. Um, this is kind of a similar thing. It's while people are in the midst of a crisis and things are changing around them, how do people take advantage of that and pivot early so that they can catch the next wave? What are some of your thoughts on what some of those new technologies and industries will be born out of this crisis? Yeah, some of these new, you know, industries like Zoom video, which um, they're going to be the go-to now. People are going to be using these every day. And they're not just going to be, you know, for the um, meetings like you and me have, um, but it could be in the medical community. It's, 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 um, we're going to see this whole technological Zoom, telecommuting, everything else uh, go mainstream. Right. Yeah, and we see that already, I think, especially with um, just due to the the transmission rates of COVID-19 that many of my friends who are primary care doctors, uh, they have to do their assessments of their patients through telemedicine. Uh, they won't even allow the patient near them until they get a really good feel about whether they're at high risk of having COVID or whether it's some other type of um, of illness or medical condition. Um, I think that there's going to be uh, not just new technologies, but new business models. Uh, already we're seeing that the event industry has to pivot because um, there's a lot of money in marketing of technology, or not just technology events, but events. So there's industry-wide events that happen all the time year-round around the globe. And there's a huge fear that because we can't meet social distancing is mandatory, that that uh, that whole business is going away. But already we're seeing that people are trying to transition into digital events, and how do you make that digital event using technologies like Zoom and other video conferencing, how do you make it the same type of experience? And so I think about what you just said, uh, whether you're doing meetings with clients, now you're going to do meetings with clients um, over video. You're going to actually be, for me, it's going to be doing investor meetings um, and small business and technology coaching through video as well, just because that's that's mandatory in order to keep the economy going. Um, what are some more other thoughts you have on that? Um, well, I concur. I've done several meetings over Zoom this week where it would where I would have had clients come into the office and wouldn't have even considered that. Now, when this um, entire thing is finished down the road, I think we're going to continue doing things like that because it's just going to be um, easier. Uh, for everybody, and it'll be, it's going to be a much more efficient way for everybody to do business in certain circumstances where you had to get in your car, drive into the office, meet, do it that way. Um, This way, through a Zoom video, you can do it far more efficiently than you can just do over the telephone, and that'll become mainstream as well. Yeah, no, I, I've been in a lot of situations in my career where uh, face-to-face meetings are mandatory, whether a client or important executive meeting, um, and this definitely changes the game for that. I, I think another positive that a lot of people who are really concerned about climate, um, if you see the photos and the impact of pre-COVID, post-COVID, 
uh, extreme reduction in pollution, extreme reduction in air travel. Um, oil prices, I mean, we're not going to get into whether that's good or not for the oil producers, but certainly oil prices have gone down for the consumer or gasoline. And I think it is just a new normal, and um, it's not necessarily all bad. I concur. When something like oil prices go down, um, it's basically a, a, a lower, it's a less of a tax on the on the broad economy in general, except, as you say, for the um, for the oil producers. It's also cleaner as well when people aren't out there driving for the environment. And as for this telecommuting, um, it's going to help a population that, that sometimes can't come in and do meetings or go places. Um, it, it'll help that population be able to take advantage of it as well. Well, Eric, I really appreciate you being on the show today. Um, I, thanks for sharing your insight. I'm with you. I think there's a lot of optimism once we get past the next couple of months. So you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Special guest is Eric Krawitz, Senior Vice President at Morgan Stanley. If you have any questions or comments about today's show, email us at info at Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846, 888-828-SVIN. 